Hey, man. Hey, let me ask you a personal question. How many people here really like NSYNC? Coming up on verse, chorus, verse. Oh, that's yeah. why everybody hates white dudes. <laughs> that's that. How many people here ever woke up one morning and just decided it wasn't one of those days and you're gonna break some shit? everybody welcome to episode 79 i am dl it's good to see you all with me is Sven, y2k programmer knutson Sven, <laughs> how are you doing tonight balling with the ball oh i that took me a second <laughs> that took oh, me a little Jesus. bit I'm like uh, you got that nice oh uh, yeah nobody ball with the balls anymore now we bang to bang oh, we, <laughs> we got it now we got it <laughs> <laughs> also here is evil i'm guessing saw the matrix in the theaters at least 27 times jimmy well that depends on your perspective oh, oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> there is no theater that was a really good answer and then the best of the best we've got rachel of girls gone wild fame rachel oh. how are you my dad listens to this he doesn't need to know i'm good thank you I'm great. I'm sorry, but, you know, things that were popular in 99, <laughs> it is what it is. Fair. We're all here together to talk some Woodstock. We talked 69. Sven, sum up 69 in one sentence. Wait, one sentence? One sentence. Yeah. Peace, love, and music? Is that the... Wonderful. Sure. Evil, sum up 94, which we already did, in one sentence. Two more days of peace, love, and music? <laughs> And lots of mud. Inaccurate, yeah. but yes, I'll accept it. Anyway, the point is, is that we did them. You guys are making me regret I didn't pick Rachel. <laughs> well, we're saving the good shit for headlines. <laughs> we're doing Woodstock 99, the third, the official, the so many more names. Uh. And this is going to be a tough one because it's going to be hard to just not dive right in to very specific things and go on massive tangents. I have a feeling... Each one of us has multiple very long tangents they could go oh, off of. Oh boy! In this one. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. You want me to go on one right now? I don't. Because <laughs> <Not laughs> I've got one. How many rabbit holes oh. do you think you could be led down on Woodstock '99? <clears throat> those are some dark, dark places. Those rabbit holes. I'm not even sure it's a rabbit that goes in that hole. No, so I don't think a it different is. Kind of hole. <laughs> Maybe it's the rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy yes. Grail. I need the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, how much fun did you have studying for this? <laughs> OMG. I studied for this the wrong way, which was watch the documentary first and then listen to the music. <laughs> Are you talking about the HBO one? Yeah. Ah, I have not seen it because I don't have HBO, but it is done mm. by a company that uh -huh. I love everything that they do. So I imagine that it's probably a pretty good documentary. Yeah. It's well done. It's just real sad. Who? Which one of you watched the documentary? Yep. All of us, but you. Oh, you all three did. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Sven, how much of studying for this was music? 
how much of it was whatever you want to call it psychology or um it was like one percent music Aww. really i went down that rabbit hole and then i didn't come back out so i don't think it's a rabbit hole it's like a giant pit mm. and it keeps getting deeper and the mud keeps falling <laughs> in as you're at the bottom of the pit so you can't crawl out of it being in the event industry for mm. 18 years where I either for the first half of it was in charge of operations and then the second half of it was in charge of management and managing the planning side of it. This whole thing just gave me a giant anxiety attack yeah. for days. There's no sugarcoating it and it's not a spoiler. This is a shit show and it's not going to be a super happy talk that we have for this one. Nope. But we're still going to try to have fun. And anything music related is going to be like from my memory banks from like 99 of the stuff I can remember. <laughs> gotcha. Because MTV was broadcasting it. So like deep in the recesses of my brain, there's some information about the music and what was good or what I liked at the time. Yeah, anyway. I can I can actually remember footage of this from the original which I obviously couldn't in 94. Let's start with the positive. We are, man, each one of you has, well, Evil and Rachel, you probably have about six or seven episodes till the finale. Sven, a couple more for you. We are well past the halfway point in recording. This season has been great. Our feedback's gotten way, way more positive. A lot more feedback. Our followers have gone way up. Sven, what has been your favorite part of this season? either in comparison to last season or just in general. Way less homework. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. I love the shared workload thing. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> uh, I'm so grateful for <laughs> Evil and Rachel. Um, no, it's. I enjoy the interviews. The people we've had on as guests, I think has been the most amazing part yeah. personally. Rachel, what has been different better, worse this season than last. I feel like you trust me more to do more work, so that's nice. Eh, he says <laughs> with his face. I've just gotten really good at editing. <laughs> no, and I feel like I've gotten more comfortable doing it. Totally. So this season is, I'm not as angry and defensive as I was. <laughs> I feel like looking back on that Taylor Swift episode, all I did was yell, and I don't know how I got hired after that. You got hired because because all you did so was much. yell. That was a- <laughs> Maybe that. I need to do that more. Rachel and Evil, you both do a lot of episodes together, and you had to have time to get to know each other. You can tell that that's gotten a lot more comfortable yeah, for you for sure. two. Evil, what about you? You'll know this because you and I talk offline about music quite a bit especially like recently this past week has been a really fun week for me musically let's tie this into the podcast because the era of music that we're going to talk about today whenever you whenever you're listening to it listeners we're recording (laughs) at night that era really kind of drove me away from mainstream music and i've been living Mm. in this this heavy metal, you know, hard rock fortress since then. I've really just now started to reach out and rediscover other genres of music and new bands and stuff more actively. And it's been so much fun because the amount of tremendous music available this year is mind-blowing. Releases are insane this year. There's so many. And I feel bad that I I don't get to talk about more of that new stuff, but it's fun to listen to. And so I feel kind of reinvigorated just as a music fan in general. And I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't researching stuff for the episodes. So thank you. 
I really appreciate it. We got so many more people writing in this year doing the, hey, are you guys going to talk about this album? Are you guys Mm going to talk about this album? And it's so hard this year because there is so much fucking music. It's really fun. And we also apologize. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot we have to get to for Woodstock 99. Before we do, we got to talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking tonight? Rachel, do you have booze or do you? Oh, you do. I do have booze. What is that? It's very bright. Iced. Oh, Smirnoff Ice. Yeah, it like, it's just a screwdriver. It looks like Fago. It looks like Fanta. It was in a Fago. variety pack. <laughs> all your drinks are drinks that all the guys in our 20s forced each other to drink. <laughs> They're delicious. As punishment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will go next. I have... This is not water. David. I promise. This is a gin ricky. Oh. Because hey. it's it's hot. Yeah. Washington is not real big on air conditioners, so I don't have an air conditioner in my uh, studio, so who? <laughs> I've got a gin ricky. It's just gin, club soda, lime, mint. It's amazing. What kind it's of gin so do you have, David? I used Bainbridge, which is a local pine gin. Ooh. I, it, I didn't go dry. I just wanted to try something different, and it's actually really spectacular. So Bainbridge gin, the bottle is beautiful. It's got the Northwest Woods frosted on the front of the bottle. Uh, Really, really pretty. Evil, I think you have a cocktail, but I haven't seen it yet. I do have a cocktail. You know, I almost mixed up a batch of Turbo Margarita for (gasps) for this. Oh my God. 99, I think 99 was a little early, but I invented that drink roughly (laughs) in this era. But it's basically liquid heartburn for me anymore. I can't drink it. But still, uh, just for the sake of doing it, I think at the finale yeah. or something, we have to cook <gasps> a little batch. Some turbo margarita. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners who are wondering what turbo margarita is, when I was an idiot in my 20s, I wanted a drink that I could make very quickly and would help hydrate me with electrolytes. So I combined <laughs> Gatorade, Rose's Lime, and Tarantula Azul Tequila. And it's called Turbo because you just buy three bottles and mix them together. There's no measuring. And it looks like something that you ladle out of a lake near Chernobyl. And it does. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, to what I'm drinking tonight. I, there it um, is. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to sign off there. This is... Oh, that looks good. It's not. Um, <laughs> I because I didn't do turbo. I'm like, okay, what's a what's a funky name that might have a cocktail that would go along with the theme for tonight? And so I googled dumpster fire cocktail, and Whoa. a whole bunch of recipes were spit out, and I just picked the top one. It's gin, Cointreau, lemon juice, lime juice, Angostura bitters, and a flamed orange garnish, and it's like a shittier version of a sidecar or a margarita if you yeah, have a not flamed peel in a drink and it's still not good mm. that's not that very easy. it's just i don't know it needs something else nerds needs more gatorade radioactive chernobyl water <laughs> sven what beer are you drinking i got a cooler cooler full. from the beer open that cooler up woodstock 99 it's all 15 dollar beer i think the beer ended up being cheaper than the water at the end of the concert <laughs> yes that was the point that was that made is true. <laughs> disco ninja disco ninja it's a north Ooh. northeast style hazy IPA from Revision Brewing. That is in uh, only Sparks, that, Nevada. Yes, just like what did I, I had that Reno beer. Uh, so it had fuck in the name. Reno is fuck. Reno is fuck. We got to get into it because we got a long way to go here. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back.
We are back. We got to get to, we got to get to, what do we got to get to? Jesus. You know what we got to do? Before we get into any of this, before anybody spills anything, and I think we've actually done pretty well so far, which we usually don't, we got to guess each other's favorite. Let's start with Rachel. You are kind of like undefeated on this, so you have to go first. Okay. I have a really good idea. I think that I know everyone's exact one, and I want to wager a matching tattoo. What? what? If I guess everyone's right, I want us to go get matching tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Where does the tattoo have to be on your body? Wherever. And I, what does I it mean, have to be? Mine's not going to be the same place. I have multiple stupid tattoos. I am fine with that. I, I have zero. Yes. Okay. I knew you'd be in. Yeah, what the hell? Stupid tattoo? Sven will do it. We just got to get a few beers <laughs> in them. Okay. I like this idea. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Up in the I ante. Have yes. Up in the ante. Okay. Matching tattoos. I have multiple by ideas Sven. for this tattoo, but I I will reveal that later because it's kind no. of associated. No. 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 It really is. It's associated with. Well, shouldn't it just be like a verse chorus verse tattoo? I mean, I thought of that too. <laughs> That's like, one of the options. It's like a portrait of Rachel and like a yeah. crown. It's a like picture, a picture of, my of my face. T Swift. Everyone's like, how? Rachel, what are the exact? guesses for each one of us well here's the thing i don't want to reveal too much first but i think all four of us have the exact same person or exact same band as a favorite yes no way you are your odds are if you get this right are you doing some fortune teller like (laughs) you're gonna write it down after oh yeah that's totally i already have it written down on a piece of paper okay take a picture of that text it to me I will not look at. I it. thought of that too. Do that. Okay. This is this is intense. Yeah, it is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like a circus fire. <laughs> we don't know what Rachel's pick is. We'll find out at the end. Evil. Who is everyone's favorite act? Not best, but favorite act of Woodstock '99. Well, Rachel threw me a curveball. So. <laughs> See, I knew that was going to happen. I didn't oh, want to. She threw me um, one too. Actually, I know you're not going to win because, like, I know that mine is not the same one as Jimmy's. So you don't know that. <laughs> what happens if you're wrong, though? If you're right, we all get matching tattoos. Then if you're just wrong, just Rachel gets four tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'll get four tattoos. All right, evil. What do we got? I'm, I'm going to say for you, I'm going to pick DMX because I know you like DMX. That's a really good guess. Love DMX. He's behind you. For, oh, Sven is always difficult for me. Um, That's what she said. I picked for Sven. I think they played twice. Mm. I picked George, George Clinton, Clinton and P-Funk All-Stars. My head was going there for Sven. Yeah. Too. And I had one picked for Rachel, but she is. <laughs> Throwing you Com- for a loop. Yeah. Th- Throwing the knuckle curveball. Um, so I'm going to pick for her, definitely Kid Rock. <laughs> ball with the ball. It's not a bad guess. Sven, <laughs> who are our favorites for this? I'll start with Evil. Evil would have been really into Seven Dust's performance. I could see that. Mm. There was a couple bands that came after them that I almost mm. went with, but I think I'm sticking with Seven okay. Dust. Rachel, you... Sven. I know it's not Jewel. Yeah. That was my pick um, for David loves Jewel. <laughs> it is Jewel. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's a good one. Did they play? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> DL. <laughs> I can't say Dave Matthews band. Why not? I, I don't know. So much tells me not to say that. <laughs> 
So I'm gonna go with. You can tell I thought that I thought about this like seriously beforehand, right? Yeah, obviously. You always do. I always do. <laughs> <You> always do. <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. That is, I can't believe that that's the first time that that band has been set. Very good pick. My pick. I'll start with Rachel, who my first pick was Jewel, mm-hmm. but she said she thinks everybody picked the same band, so it's not Jewel. And then I thought about, I had almost gone with Bush, simply because I, I know she likes Bush, and boy, I tell you, Gavin Rosdale at Woodstock 99. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, kid you not. If that doesn't <laughs> turn you gay, nothing will. That was my pick for her, literally. I'm like, he's yeah, so handsome. It? That's beyond handsome. That's like, yeah. like, holy shit. I watched it alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Rage. If there was a band that Rachel would think all of our favorites was, including her. It's oh, got to be rich. that's smart. It's got to be. Yeah. That's a good guess. So that's that's what I did. Evil. I know it's just way too easy. And honestly, I almost went rage with you. But I think Metallica's too easy because of how great we talked about Metallica was on in 94. Mm. We'll get to it, but mm-hmm. I don't think this set touched 94. No. I feel like it's probably rage, but just to be fun, I'm going to go with Megadeth. I think Mustaine... <laughs> killed it and he did friedman did okay yes, too yes uh so i'm going mega but mustaine's hair was so nice Dave, it was mustaney Svend, i went full hippie i don't think you were in a hippie mode at this point but there was something about when i watched i couldn't decide between g love or rusted root rusted root was my yeah. second for him <laughs> that was a freaking killer mm. set and the sound was great too i also didn't say dave matthews which i'm still I a mean, we'll get to that um <laughs> let's get into the who what where and why of woodstock 99 <laughs> july 22nd through the 25th of 1999 in rome new york rome was how far from the original like 100 miles mm. 100 miles i think nobody knows what the attendance was Mm-hmm. And I dare you to find me an accurate number. You can't. It doesn't exist. A lot of co- articles say it was 220. A lot say 400,000. Some say 500. Each one of you throw out a guess of how many people you think went to Woodstock. Too many. Way too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, if I say 400,000, would would any of you disagree? I wouldn't balk at that. Nah. Somewhere around yeah. there. Surprisingly, the gates were legit this time, but... Did any of you see the bracelets that they used <laughs> for for the passes to get in? They were these, like, Ugh. I could make one of those in an hour right now, if you told me. They were ridiculous. So people were exchanging bracelets. They were making their own. They were walking right in. And that's not even mentioning the fact that the gates were, once again, for the third time, <laughs> the gates were completely torn down by Saturday yeah. morning. So it didn't matter. Right. Yeah. In fact, every interview I read or listened to, they were all saying by Sunday, you could walk in and out. Well, security, half of them would get their shirt and just wander <laughs> off into yeah. the crowd. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. absolutely. It was at Griffiths Air Force Base. It's funny, the bracelet said Griffiths Park. It was. It was conf- It was an old decommissioned Air Force Base turned into technology and event yeah. park. And a super so, fun site yeah. as well. Which, did any of you see that it was a super fun site? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that until I studied for this. Yes. So, Evil, explain to the people what a super fun site is. Not fun. Fund. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. I do know that there was essentially like toxic materials disposed of on this site 
Yes. One of the reasons the organizers picked this site is because the facilities were so good. They had, you know, there's water and there's all <laughs> these things. And I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> However, <laughs> yeah, this was a, a military facility that serviced Air Force. And it still along- was commissioned. Yeah. So they along were- with that comes all of the toxic waste that you get when you're, you know, servicing fighter jets. A little it's bit of go jet somewhere. fuel in your water, right? Yep. <laughs> How much did it make? Did any of you find accurate numbers? Mm. And don't mm. lie to me because you I, didn't. Oh, go for it. Two hundred thousand. How many it made? Yeah, after the fact. <laughs> that actually that could be. That's yeah, what I that literally could be heard. about accurate. I did tons of research for this. I, I I studied more for this than I've ever studied for by far for a pod because I wanted to find numbers so hard and you can't. Nope. But what I came to surmise from everything I studied is that it cost $38 million to produce. People say it brought in anywhere from 15 to 80 million. According to Lang and Douche, that's <laughs> his name for me for this whole podcast, they did not make a profit at all. I don't believe anything out of their mouth, Mm-mm. but I could see that being possible. I definitely yeah. see that being possible. I believe that the lawsuits and the fallout afterwards probably ate up any profits that they had. It's no coincidence that they didn't plan the one that didn't happen, right? The Woodstock number four until after Statue of Limitations in the state of New York had expired 20 years after. So without going into specifics, one of the things they all said that they watched the documentary, I didn't realize until studying for this that that massive documentary came out about a year ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you think that that documentary came out had largely to do with why the the fourth Woodstock didn't happen? Mm, I, that didn't cross my mind, but that Possibly. would that's very plausible. The timing is so like between not, that and then Firefest, oh, Fire not Fest. the best advertisement. Ooh, yeah. Only three people died, and one of them I don't even count. It's amazing. Yeah, one of them was on a car wreck on the way home, like fifty miles away, mm-hmm. and then two of them uh, was was after the fact for heat related. Deaths, correct? I'm correct in that, right? I mean, one died like life lighted out and then died. Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't li- die on the property, but he died because he went to that concert. Right. Hyperthermia. So, I feel like that still counts. I don't remember 94 enough. I feel like maybe it was only one, but did all three Woodstocks have three deaths? I thought 94 had no, two. Uh, 69 had two. It would be so cool if out of the three Woodstocks, there were three deaths each time. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> Those are the simple. You're insensitive. Those are the simple facts I want to oh, wait till you hear my newspaper headline. Uh, wait till you hear my newspaper headline. <laughs> Those are the simple facts. I didn't want to delve too far into things. Here's what I want to do though before we really get into the nitty gritty. Well, I'm going to ask you guys, and we'll and I'll edit this. Do you guys want to talk about the shit first, or do you guys want to like talk the about literal? But no, like every the darkness. I want to go dark first. Or do I you, think. you do over I, bands? Yeah. Okay. Because I want to end the night okay. happy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a quote or a portion of a story or something like that. And then I'm going to let you guys tangent off of it. I'm going to start with a, a quote from Moby, who was in the emerging artists list. Right. Play came out that year, which was massive. We walked off stage and we were like, get out of here. We need to leave right now. The here is Woodstock 99. The we was Moby speaking on behalf of all of his bandmates and pals. Um, Our plan had been to park up and stay for the whole weekend, but the atavistic part of our brains collectively said, leave now, it's bad, and it's not getting better. 
the broader implication being that Moby and his pals didn't want to witness the precise moment that when the 1990s as a coherent decade, as a set of noble ideals, as an ethos died. I, I think that is, that's a good summation of the energy of the whole thing. He was on Friday night, right? Yeah. yeah. He was the yeah. last act on Friday night at the emerging artist mm-hmm. stage. So shit hasn't really gone no, sideways yet. N- not even close. And he's got the hair standing up on the back of his mm-hmm. neck, which is hilarious because he doesn't have any hair on his head. <laughs> um, a really interesting thing about this Woodstock is I don't have very many memories of it. It wasn't on my radar. Okay. Kind of interesting because most people say that about 94 and I have like vivid memories of 94. Like that was a lot of fun doing that episode because it brought back a ton of stuff that I had completely forgotten about. Whereas this one, I was kind of discovering a lot of the mess for the first time. Oh, really? It correlates a lot with my thoughts on the music industry and just culture at large mm-hmm. going into it. Like we talked, I don't remember what episode it first came up on, but we talked about how there was a period in the mid 90s where radio stations had broad playlists and they were owned by their own little local whatever. They were very regional stuff. And by towards the end of the mid 90s, They'd all been gobbled up by Clear Channel and, you know, four or five different conglomerates that caused like this money driven balkanization of music. The energy going into this, at least musically, is fed by the greed that, that led to, you know, what's going on in the music industry at the time, along with everything else. Coming off the early 90s and just the bloom of creativity and positivity and optimism that everyone had mm-hmm. it, it coming into this Moby for sure was, he was onto something. This is not going to end well. And it, it definitely did not. He was very, very right. Yeah. I think he saw the ominous signs hella early. Ominous signs were there Wednesday before mm-hmm. the thing even kicked off. Why do you say that? Event promoter 101, find out what other events are going on around where you <laughs> yes. are. Right. Yes. So yep. the week before, 120,000 people were in Oswego, New York for a fish concert. Mm-hmm. Guess what's right on the way home? Rome. There's a giant Woodstock happening. So are you going to go all the way home and then go all the way back to New York? No, you're probably going to just drive from Oswego to Rome and then camp out. So I'm sure by Tuesday morning, Wednesday, I don't know, there's probably 50, 60, 70,000 people. There was a massive sporting event or something going on too yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a hall of fame or a hall of fame and induction yeah, or I, something yeah. yep, like yep. Alanis Morissette Howard Stern these people could not get hotel rooms nobody could get yeah. rooms there people that are going to be hanging out for days and days and days before you even open your gates they're just hanging out in the hot sun with there's nothing around there so it's not like they can just go resupply and re-up on stuff. They're all counting on, well, Woodstock's going to open and we're going to get in and everything will be good, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, yeah. Temperatures in triple digits the entire time. Air Force Base. It's all <laughs> asphalt, concrete. concrete. Stages mm-hmm. a mile and a half apart from each other. Everywhere where there was camping looked exactly the same. So no one could find their tents. Yeah, that's the worst idea ever. (laughs) Um, I mean, outside of just like the middle of the summer, everybody's outside. 
-hmm. nobody ever gets enough water anyway to have it on a giant thermal mass (laughs) absorbing solar energy i mean how many extra degrees is that adding to the hundred degrees and all these people are sitting outside i mean one of my complaints and we'll get into it a little bit later is that when these people got on stage there's like so much time until the music starts that they're just Mm. fucking around on stage when i'm just like play a fucking song already but outside of that when they step on stage and they're taking time these people have been here for hours maybe sitting in front of this in the the front of the stage waiting in the heat with no shade with no water clumped together clumped together Mm -hmm. stinking up each other and porta potties are all clogged up so they're just probably pissing on each other and pissing their pants and you know it's just disgusting and it's miserable and it was just a the only way i can understand them thinking this is a good idea is just security this is great it's a good space we can keep everybody contained here this makes sense and they didn't really think through everybody's just going to boil in the sun. Perfect segue into another quote that I'll let one of you talk on. Kevin Bug, 43, of Cape Cod that went to the show has this amazing quote. It was a hockey match in a phone booth. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's perfect. They broke the fences to get out Mm -hmm. at this Woodstock instead of breaking the fences to to get get in. in, They busted down the... The peace wall. The peace wall. Right. Well, security was... For the most part, non-existent. Nobody can right? see this at like, home, but every time any of us says the word security, we have to do finger quotes. quotes. Air quotes. It's Air mandatory quotes. when you say security for Woodstock yeah. 99. Security knew how sideways this was, and they were all like, F this. I'm not going out there. Well, we no. are making, what are they making, 12 bucks an hour? Right. No thanks. And uh, yeah, to deal with the people that showed up early, right? So before the festival even started, there's people lined up. There was an interview... Um, with a guy, a gentleman named Mark Willis. He works for Live Nation now. Back then, he was hired to be back of house security with a small team of people. He talked about how from the get-go, before they even started, they were undermanned. And so they started calling for additional security. And, right. and every company they could find, massing as many people they could. And the people that showed up were definitely not what you would expect for event security not actual security guards it was like here's your t-shirt that says security peace patrol the things that they were having to go through as well these security guards that aren't security guards that are making like 12 bucks an hour which was actually a pretty good amount back then but they had to stay on site they had to deal with the heat too Uh they were sleeping on air mattresses they all had to stay together which meant they were hiring each other one person would stay behind or else they would get their shit stolen Mm -hmm. because they didn't have locked doors on any of their shit and that's what i started hearing is that security would just not go to work because the day before they'd go to work they'd come back and all their stuff would be gone yeah staff for any of the services and any of the facilities didn't want to leave their bunk and that's not even speaking on the fact that not in general but to me there's a specific type of person that might be drawn to something like a security job for a festival somebody that maybe when they get to the festival and they see that it's a fucking hellfire free-for-all do whatever we want is going to rip their shirt off and go do whatever they want. There are certain people that want to work security because it's a power thing. So due to the pavement heat, due to the extreme temperatures halfway through the weekend, before midday Saturday, 
700 people had already been treated for heat exhaustion and dehydration. This is when, as a promoter, John Schur, I'm just going to say his name now, uh, the biggest piece of shit I think I've ever heard talk in my life. And uh, Michael Lang, who'd been with Woodstock from the beginning, he helped put on the first one. Why the fuck do you not call this off? Why don't you just say this is done? Absolutely. 700 yeah. people. At what point do you just say, hey, guys, this is <laughs> half these people are going to fucking die? <laughs> well, and by that point, too, like, I mean, whatever number we we decided of people that were there, like whether it's 200,000 or 400,000, whatever it was, right? Hundreds of thousands of people there. There had to have been at least two or 3,000 of them, let's say like a, a smaller percentage, but still thousands, that at this point are testing the system. They're testing security. What can we get? A, mm. They're frustrated. They're pissed off. And they're noticing that like no one is responding. I can go do something and there's no consequence yeah. for my actions. There's no response from festival management. There's no response from security. There's no response from law enforcement. There's no response from the government. Everybody that's supposed to be in charge is just like, fuck it. And I think that that is starting to spread at this point. This is another quote from a woman. Her nickname was Pony. There were a few water fountains and showers set up like the things you see at football practice. But the lines were insane. There were fights and eventually they were all destroyed in frustration. The perfect example of how stupid our generation is. So yeah, they had a very small amount of free water, and by Saturday, it was all destroyed. Mm -hmm. Not just that generation. <laughs> I think lots of generations. Well, I didn't make the quote. She did. Take it up with Pony. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. Westwood One was, was a radio station on site that was covering the entire festival. They had cameras on stage. They had producers there. One of the producers, Stacy Parra, went out into the crowd with a couple of, of staff to basically get like reaction footage and reaction clips of how's your festival experience? It was supposed to be this nice little piece. Every single person they tried to talk to was like, uh, yeah, you give me a bottle of water, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to you. You know, and that was, I think, Friday. By Friday night, the water scarcity is so bad that it's like, instead of like, I'm going to take my 15 minutes of fame and get on the radio or get on TV or whatever, people are already just like, nope, you got to pay me. Give me some water. And they don't want money. Give me water. That's so fucked up. Yeah, I'm going to start. I don't want to. I'm going to start with this one. This is another quote from a unnamed woman. There was a path, a path obstructed by dozens of men who screamed at and grabbed at any woman who tried to pass through. Some of the girls ran through laughing. Others looked disgusted, annoyed, or scared. By Saturday, this was known as Rape Alley. Saturday is about when this starts turning into uh, the ugliest of the ugly. In 99, there was no Me Too movement. There was Girls Gone Wild, and lines were much more blurry back then about what was assault and what wasn't. I don't think there's anything that shows how different it was more than Woodstock 99. Somebody's got to say something. I know. It's in the same vein, but like, I'm so sick of all the comments that I read about all these women were walking around with their tops off. All these women were walking around naked. They must have been at It's like, no, fucking no. It's 300 degrees out. I'm not going to wear a shirt. To go along with it, I'll, I'll read it now. Uh, this is John Schur. This is the guy that put on the whole fucking thing. Yeah, the big douche. There's no question that a few incidents took place. 
But if you go back in the records of the police and the state police and stuff, we're not talking about 100 or even 50. We're talking about 10. I am critical of the hundreds of women that were walking around with no clothes on and expecting not to be touched. They shouldn't have been touched, and I condemn it. But, you know, I think that women that were running around naked, you know, are at least partially to blame for that. That's the guy that That's so put on up. this show. That's a direct quote. We've all been in mosh pits, right? And you kind of know. That's like the unspoken rule. People crowd surf. It's like mm -hmm. you always see those dudes that, like, take the opportunity, right? But, like, shitty dudes that try to cop a feel when... I, so I've been, I've been in a ton of crowds like that, and I've never seen anything like that. I honestly have. I've seen that, and then what's odd? Like, no, I've seen it. Most people know it's like, yep. yeah, you jump on that dude, and you're like, that's fucking not right. cool. Yeah, usually the crowd self polices. Yeah, I've been the police in this situation before. Like, you take care yeah, of everybody, exactly. and if someone's being that person, you make sure that they leave. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try to be, because your safety is dependent upon everyone else looking out for you as well. So you need to be looking out for them here, man. It, when this happened, I, I mean, do you think it's because there were so many people that it's just, when you get that many people together, there's just going to be pockets that end up finding each other of fucking degenerates. I think a lot of things I'm going to try to weave together a whole bunch of thoughts. So hopefully this doesn't turn into spaghetti <laughs> here. When we talked about the previous two Woodstocks, there were times where we're like, we don't know how this went off without disaster happening. Right. Yeah. Right. Sixty nine and was on a dairy farm. Ninety four was on what Winston Farm near Saugerties. Natural environments. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you went to the Rage Against the Machine show when they at played the here in Boise at the, at the penitentiary. State, I at sure the did. penitentiary. And it was nuts. It was an amazing mm -hmm. show. But towards the end, there was a steady like line of people kind of like the crowd was looking out for those who got injured and they were like carrying them out of the mosh pit. And it was there was more and more as the night went on. And I had this thought and I, I kind of went wandering around. The energy there was elevated. And I remember thinking like, this is not something that could last forever. Yeah. Like there has to be an end to this and like a transition back into normal life. Think about like those previous two Woodstocks, human-friendly environments. Right. Now take hundreds of thousands of people, put them the, in basically a prison. Yeah. Restrict their water. It's hundreds of degrees out. There's, it's just a concrete jungle. There's no very limited grass. There's no trees. There's, there's no lake, no streams, no nothing like that. Everything costs a hundred bucks a day just to, for food and water. Another really important thing that, cause everybody talks about how expensive things were, but one thing that gets missed that you do read every now and then, but that needs to be in the front of people's heads is by Saturday, the ATMs were done. So even yeah, if you yeah, planned yeah. ahead, you brought right. your card, whatever, you had no way of getting money by Saturday. As you're coming in, security's biggest concern is taking away your bottled water, yep. your packaged mm -hmm. food, mm -hmm. you know, their drugs, whatever, go in. To say that this is 100% a, a phenomena of just a giant money grab gone awry, I don't, I don't think that is a valid argument, but that definitely, it was throwing gasoline onto the fire. I don't know how things couldn't have gone south. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the great authors write books about this. Like Lord, we mentioned Lord of the Lord Flies already. Lord of the already. Flies, I think is a great yeah, the, I mean, it's almost like they were steering this giant crowd into a disaster. And it's not even herd mentality because, it, well, no, it is herd mentality, but it's also, it's so many experiments rolled into one and that's what fascinates me. So I'm always fascinated mm -hmm. by that sort of stuff, like the, the Jonestown massacre or the, the, yeah, yeah. the prison experiments or... 
because these fucking people could have left any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. It's hot. You don't have water. You can't shit anywhere. There's pools of piss everywhere. There's nowhere to sit. Go the fuck home. I'm sorry you're going to miss Limp Biscuit, but <laughs> fucking go home. But the same point, um, like, let's say you're, you're on day two and you've already spent so much damn money to be there. Isn't there a part of you that's just like, I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous, all right? Not me. But there's a part of you that's like, I came here for a fucking reason. I got to get something out of this. I mean, obviously, because so many people stayed. I bet no one slept. How can you fall yeah. asleep in this environment? So... Your brain is just baked. Even if you weren't on drugs and weren't drinking, which is probably not the case for most everyone, yeah. you're not going to be making good decisions. And there's no one to help point you in the right direction. In fact, there's just more things just driving you to insanity. So I'm not pitching this as an excuse for individuals not taking accountability for their actions. But as a planner that was overseeing this whole thing, if you didn't see that coming and you couldn't read those signs and predict this and like like we said earlier shut it down you're pretty much contributing i'm gonna read one more quote i'll turn it over to rachel if she wants it you've been very quiet rachel so <laughs> i don't know if that's because you're waiting for your turn or she's holding it really not wanting to talk about this but <laughs> the one instance that stands out to me is one of the ambulances pulled up and i was dispatching and the driver got out went around and they were unloading one patient on the stretcher from the back But there was another person up front, and it was a girl, probably 18 or 19, and she was just sitting there. And as the medic was wheeling the stretcher with the two other patients behind him, he turned to me and he said, watch the truck. Don't let anyone near her. Five minutes later, the woman was escorted away by a nurse. The nurse went, spoke to the girl. He put a blanket over the girl, brought her inside, and I said to him, so what was that all about? He turned to me and he said, it's just flat out, they're savages. They're savages. And he went and walked away. There are accounts like this everywhere. And despite the fact that four rape cases came from this, all of a sudden done, 44 people were arrested. Four cases of rape were initially reported by the New York State Police. 1,200 people were treated by on-site medical staff, and there were millions of dollars worth of damage caused by the destruction. A number of reported sexual assaults during the festival at eight for considered rape I believe then and now there are likely hundreds of sexual assaults that went unreported. That is mm-hmm. a, that's a quote. Just watching YouTube videos, mm. you can see the sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So yes, I don't think the numbers could even be counted. How much violation happened that weekend? That's one thing that I really struggled with during this is I had, I had heard when I was in high school, college, that somebody was assaulted during Limp Biscuit set, and that was it. The more studying I did into this, I did not understand the gravity of this situation and how disgusting it is. And I don't care how dehydrated and hot and tired you are. I don't think that that is an excuse to get down to that level where you think that that kind of behavior is in any way okay. That's what's so fucking weird about this. And when I say like this behavior being okay, there were multiple instances that I read about where it was a group assault activity. Mm. Yeah. And so I feel like it's not one person. It's a bunch of men thinking that this was a good idea and thinking that this was okay and encouraging each other. And that's what's so terrifying is I've known men. I was in the Navy. I've known not good men, but 
it's kind of what evil was talking about. They're self-policing. You're in a group of 10 guys. If there's one piece of shit, you don't have anything to worry about because everybody else is going to keep that piece of shit in check. So mm-hmm. it's fascinating about this festival that there were these reports of gangs of mm-hmm. dudes doing this shit right. because in a crowd of more than 300,000 people, how the fuck do you get away with that? Because no one took action. That goes back to my earlier point about like, if you do something and there's no consequences, what's your conclusion? Yep. So if you're a piece of shit and you have, you find 10 other piece of shit people that be friends with, and you're all like, hey, I did this and didn't nothing happen. And there's absolutely no reaction, no response from any authority. I agree. But I think what my point is, is that there's hundreds of thousands of people there, right? I think I know all of you pretty well, including myself. And I think I can very smartly say that if any of us were at some massive festival and we saw anything like that, I wouldn't give a shit if it was 20 dudes that I knew were going to fucking kill me. I would do something. That's what's fascinating. It's not that security didn't do anything, but that there wasn't one person in these hundreds of thousands that weren't grabbing these people and being like, I can't wrap my head around it. There was a point at this festival where everyone just had to care about the basic necessities, keeping themselves alive. You just lose sight of those types of things. You're so tunnel visioned on like, I feel so fucking miserable and all I want is a tree to stand under. I just need a break. I just want it to stop. I need a break. People just lost their minds. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to correct me here, but I feel like back in 99, the lines were very much more blurred as far as what assault was. There are things that are considered assault and rape now. I'm not saying that they weren't in 99, but I'm saying society did not consider them. I think the, the lines that. were there enforcement was not there like i think people knew what was right and wrong you Uh, always kind of know don't want to but i agree with david because if you think of like marital rape wasn't a thing for a very long time and now people are like oh yeah this is a thing that happens there were a lot of things that you would think that were completely okay even within relationships so i completely agree I completely agree with David. From a legal standpoint um, or a moral standpoint? I think that's, both. Like, that's the difference here. I'm, both. I'm talking a societal standpoint, that there were things back then that good people knew not to do, but it's uh, like a girl that's too drunk mm-hmm. to, you know, back in 99, I'm not sure if any of you remember, but like blackout drinking and then sex was a pretty fucking normal thing for both sexes yeah and normal but was that like right or was it just like we can get away with doing something wrong there's a difference to me i think Mm. it's a blurry line though i i agree it wasn't wrong because we were drunk it wasn't that big of a deal because she doesn't remember and it's fine and it is wrong and i don't think it was as defined back in the day as it is now. The conversation about consent and what that means and what's okay and what's not okay has been talked about for so long, so long being the last like five years, I guess, not really that very long at all, but like has been defined so much that we're finally starting to realize that a lot of things that happened 10, 20 years ago We're not okay. I think attitudes definitely were different. There's a video of a girl being interviewed talking about crowd surfing and getting groped to the point to where she hates, she's like, I hate all men now. And then the interviewer, who's also female, is yeah. like, would you do it again? And she's like, oh, of course. Her viewpoint was, I went through this, 
and now I hate all men, but I'd do it again. That's kind of similar to what Courtney Love said. You mm-hmm. remember we were talking right? about Courtney Love, Rachel? Yeah. All that stuff was happening to her all the time. And then the next night she'd get back out there and do it again. And and outside of that, she said she was wildly assaulted. Her clothes were ripped off and she thought I shouldn't have crowd surfed. This was my fault, which is so fucked mm-hmm. up to think about. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of these girls were like, well, I was topless. I cannot. Em- I've said it twice now, but I can't emphasize enough. Girls Gone Wild was such a massive part of the zeitgeist right. at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And all that sort of stuff. All the, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's not voyeurism, but it's. It was that gross, like, it's like reality um, porn. Spring breaker culture of the late 90s. Right. Like Mardi Gras. Like I think even back then, people still knew that that was wrong. It's just that they knew they could get away with it and there was no consequence. I don't think a lot of dudes thought that was wrong. I really don't. I didn't think it was wrong. I thought it was fucking stupid. And I thought it was these idiots are paying 20 bucks for a fucking movie of 82 women going like this. But I I can honestly say I wasn't like, oh, this is there's something really weird about this. Like I had to grow into that, you know? Well, this era is the maybe even the same summer as our president at the time was like, I did not have sexual relations with that. It, it, I mean, this was. this was like a top down cultural thing going on here. Clinton was a badass and Lewinsky was a fucking slut. That's a quote. <laughs> Well, oh, obviously, yeah, that's, obviously that's, people knew it was wrong because Clinton got impeached. Clinton got impeached because Republicans saw their opportunity yeah. to get yep. rid of him. And you, I either mean, way, there's precedent just, that that kind of behavior is not everybody right. Everybody here fucking understands that I was talking through a society standpoint. That wasn't a DL just, quote, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just don't want you to get, I don't want your house burned down. I don't know. Culture trickles down from the top. So when mm-hmm. that's what leadership's doing and that's the messaging, fuck, what do you expect stupid humans to do? I, mean, I We need to all be better people. It's, yes. It's the message here. This was also back in the days where women flashing at concerts was a very normal thing. Right. And if you watch footage from 99, there are a lot of women flashing and topless that are smiling, that are like, yeah, this is awesome sort of thing. There are certain bands in Woodstock where their whole set is completely ruined because I'm watching yep. footage and I see like what Rachel mm-hmm. is talking about. Mm-hmm. And now I don't, now I fucking mm-hmm. hate the whole act. I feel like I'm coming off really no, ignorant, but I, no, I, I definitely I don't. think attitudes were much different. Related trivia. Did you know that there were 12 state troopers, including officers and supervisors who were demoted yep. for yep. posing? With naked ladies. With photos. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, people. They weren't fired. No, they weren't. Just demoted. Just, just demoted. Or suspended. <laughs> oh, you guys. I'm sorry. This sucks. Um, Yay. You know what? We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. But you know what? I was noticing something I got to call your guys' attention to here for just a second. I've been noticing that there's a lot of girls coming over to the top here, crowd surfing, and they're getting really groped. You know what I mean? Now, I think just because a girl wants to go crowd surfing or whatever... That doesn't give the guys the right to molest them, you know what I'm saying? So if you're a guy and you see a girl passing over her head, give her a break, all right? You know what I'm saying? And if you're a girl and you see a guy passing over her head, I want you to grab his fucking balls! are back i was gonna lighten things up a bit and talk about some numbers some things that 
probably contributed to the overall weird feeling that Moby was t- tuning into that first day. So we're, we're thinking some 200 to 400,000 people. Right. 2,500 porta potties were delivered. Sounds like a so, lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's roughly at the low end, 100 people per porta potty, roughly. 1,200 tons of solid human waste mm-hmm. was removed from the facility. 1,200 tons. We'll come back to that. 500,000 gallons of urine, most of which oh. just because the porta potties filled up. Just in pools? Yeah. There was what was called the piss pool. That's where just you went there and. I looked up an industrial size 500,000 gallon tank. It's 61.1 feet in diameter and 24.1 feet tall. Giant. Like a small whale could swim around in there a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh my God. Speaking of whales, uh, 1,200 tons of poo would be about six large blue whales worth of poo. Oh. And this is the mud of this festival that everyone yeah. was sliding around in, sleeping in, throwing at each other. At some point, these like football practice water fountains that, ever, that people are waiting forever to get in line for. They just get demolished. The water pipes are broken, which are leaking into the porta potties, creating this just a soup of bacteria and funk. And this is like a disaster zone. It's like a refugee camp. Yeah. After a war, people are paying hundreds of dollars to be here and partake in this. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, I didn't have a, a very good recollection of any of this, and I'm looking back on it from like a historian point of view, and I'm like, what in the fuck? people what what is going on here to dl's point why didn't they just leave why didn't most of these people just fucking leave and how did the fucking promote how did lang and sure get away i don't know yeah here's the crazy thing juxtaposed against all of the disgusting stuff and the horror there are all of these accounts of people who are like it was such a good time it was one of the best times of my life yeah it was hot and i was really thirsty and You know, my friends got sick and stuff, but it was amazing. Greatest weekend of my life. Yeah. The worst of the worst of humanity is going on in one section. And 10 people over, people are having a great time and they don't even know what's happening. Yeah. It's terrifying. I am fascinated by things that I can't wrap my head around. I'll compare it again to the Jonestown Massacre. I will study it forever because it fascinates Mm me. And this festival is so much more true crime than right. just fucking fascinating to me in a terrible, horrible way. I thought, like, God, this this had to have been the worst. This had to have been like some sort of peak plateau of the worst of the worst that happens at these. At Coachella 2018, a reporter for Teen Vogue was out in the audience and got groped 22 times. Really? At Reading Festival England 2016, BBC reported two rapes. There was a Swedish music festival canceled in 2018 23 allegations of sexual assault and four rapes. Is it really better now? Or are just people just people? And the crowd, depending on the circumstances... I mean, the bottom line is you get 200,000 people together. Right. There's a percentage of them that are fucking terrible people. And you can't... Yeah. Yeah, I don't... You know, and keep that in mind too. For every assault that was going on, there were medics... There were people trying to help. There were there was there was a huge team of psychologists and support teams set up. All these people that were just there to hold people's hands while they were coming down off of 
Oh, that was the other thing. We haven't even touched on drugs got really fucking bad at 99. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Some really bad drugs are going around. It started the first night at the rave. Meth was a big ticket back then. And, you know, there were a lot of people trying to do the right thing there, too. Let's move off of sexual assault. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have any other segue here. Do you feel that Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit was a turning point as far as things were going bad but at some point they went from bad to full-blown anarchy 100 percent. first of all that wasn't even until saturday night shit was bad before that right 100 percent. artists were helping encourage i wouldn't put it on just fred durst i would put it on a good handful of people that were like yeah show us your tits like yeah blue 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 i mean that's a mild situation outside of you know fred durst was saying encouraging people to be violent to break break shit each other stuff whatever chili peppers playing fire even though they said oh jimmy hendrix's daughter wanted us to play fire that's why we did it not because we were encouraging people to throw stuff in the bonfire they could have not played that specific song they could have played another tribute song i look back on was it astroworld sven is that right with uh kylie jenner's baby daddy i travis scott oh at astroworld in Houston, where eight people oh. died. There are so many instances where artists have so much control being on a stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people that are beating the shit out of each other, that they can see that women are being assaulted as they're crowd surfing. There is so much that they could do to stop the situations and to say that oh, they were in the music or they didn't see it happen. It's just complete bullshit. I don't think it's entirely the fault of the artists. It's not. But to say that they didn't have a hand in it, it's just not the case. Right. My takeaway from all the accounts that I've read and, and trying to look at the timeline of where they were already bad, like you said, by like Saturday night, things had been bad already for a day. Right. And where things went from bad to just Anarchy. Yeah. Right around the limp biscuit set. So whether it was because of their egging on the crowd or whatever, but right around that time, the right. crowd realized they were in charge. The public realized yeah. that they controlled the festival. By the end of Saturday mm-hmm. night, it wasn't a few thousand people. It was like 200,000 people figured out they could get away with anything they wanted to do. Right. Lord of the Flies, right? You hope that the people you know, that mm. people, you want to believe that people are good. But once people realize there's no consequence for their action. This is so weird. Sven, I don't know what the fuck happened in this episode because you have such a dire bleak look at humans and I completely disagree with you. I think that consequences are not why we do things we do. The people that I think are good, you Sven, you evil, me, I don't believe that if we were put in a situation like that, we would act that way. I do not believe So like out of like the 400,000 people, where were the good people? I think there were probably 350,000 of them. I can't explain why they didn't say anything, but bands though. One of the things that I had trouble with in researching this is like figuring out what really happened. There are some accounts of the other stage. Things kind of went off without too much like horrible behavior. I saw an account of someone and you can't believe anybody on the internet who's just posting, but one person said, Hey, I was a security guard there. And that's particular stage. It was a group of like professional security guards and it sucked. And We hated our life through the whole thing, but we were there and we did our job. The other stage was just run by basically Mm -hmm. idiots who just ran off. 
I think with the bands, the best thing that I can come up with is the allegory, the scorpion and the toad. Right. Some people are like, hey, they did their job. These were the bands that the promoters hired. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're also scorpions. That's these bands. That's this lineup. Does it absolve them from all responsibility by just saying, well, they were there, they were hired to do a job and they did it? No, they're scorpions. But how is Fred Durst as a human going to calm this crowd down? That's not no, in him. But he doesn't do. have to pour gas on it. Right. Uh, that I agree with. There wasn't a precedence for this either. No. No. Fred Durst wasn't sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm going to do this and violence and assault and shit is going to happen. Fred Durst got on there and said, you know what you're supposed to fucking do as a rock star is I'm supposed to go out there and NWA thing where the guys told him you better not sing that song and the first thing to do is to go out there and sing, sing that a song. song. I'm not at all comparing them. Two absolutely different things but what I'm saying is the rock star in you is supposed to go out there and, you know that guy just told me not to do this guess what I'm fucking doing. Johnny Cash did that at Folsom Prison and everybody calls him a hero for doing it. So why, what, I don't, I, I just don't agree with blaming the artist for something that the, the promoters to me are 110% at fault for this, for hiring agreed. shit security, for doing everything that they did for, I just don't. For not canceling it. Yeah. <laughs> the night before you have DMX having a sea of, of white bros chanting the n-word back at him yes right. i can't that makes my brain break i don't Which, know how to yeah. i just think that you cannot completely absolve the musicians if you were a musician on a stage and you saw something bad happening it is a hundred percent your responsibility to stop i was at a jack fucking johnson concert he was playing the chillest song in the entire world. And some bros were like, I'm going to mosh to this. And he stopped the music and said, I cannot continue until you guys stop. That is just not okay. Jack yeah. Johnson stopped. It's because it's Jack Johnson. I mean, like Dave Grawl has done that. Even like, hey, guys, that guy right there, that guy. You know? Yeah. You know, it was like, I'm, I'm going to start just egging you on. I agree. I don't, I don't think that artists can be completely absolved, but that doesn't mean the artists are completely innocent in this situation. Do you think you would feel differently if at any time after Fred Durst would have just come out? Because he did say that he was wrong in super half-ass way. Yeah. Do you think you'd feel different if afterwards he said, look, there wasn't a precedence for this. I had no idea what was going to happen. I am really fucking sorry. Yeah. Or would that matter? That would a thousand percent matter. I totally believe that he was sorry. I would at least appreciate the acknowledgement and I would I would say, oh, that's, that's I good. I will always have a problem with some Somebody being blamed for something that somebody else did. Fred Durst wasn't assaulting people. Fred Durst wasn't violent against somebody. So I don't like blaming him for that. It's like you can't blame Marilyn Manson for Columbine. But like uh, Jim Jones didn't kill people. Charles Different. Manson didn't kill anyone, Kool right? He's fine. Why did he go to prison? Charles Manson didn't kill people. I mean, he didn't do anything, right? You have a platform and you can use that platform any way you choose. And if you choose to use it, for destruction that's your choice you're wrong david all right that's the weight of being an artist with that much clout i just i definitely disagree with that and i i think comparing charles manson to fred durst is hilarious <laughs> they both <laughs> did nothing david that's why we're comparing them i <laughs> Right? Am I wrong? I think you're very, very wrong. I think oh, Charles Manson was... You realize what Charles Manson did, right? He didn't say like, hey, everybody, do you ever have a day where you want to break shit? 
No, Charles Manson very methodically for years and years and years broke people's psyches down until they would murder somebody. Fred Durst got these like mush mines handed to him. But Fred Durst... Two days, three days of... But it wasn't methodical. It's because he's an idiot. It wasn't some methodical plan that Fred yeah. Durst had. Right. I'm, I'm not saying like they were matched in intelligence. I'm saying the consequences of what they did are similar. I'm in between these two camps here. I think it's very complicated. Pick a side, Jimmy. Tool played here. This had to have been late 90s. There was a fight in the crowd and Maynard stopped the show and the band left. All of us who were there to see them play were like, yeah, he stopped because these two idiots were fighting, but the rest of us wanted to see the rest of the fucking show. Artists have a broad responsibility to an audience, and I think it's much more complicated than Fred Durst equals Helter Skelter, you know? (laughs) If you watch the entire set, I think in a weird way, he was like, take all that negative energy and get it out. I think he was trying to be like, direct the crowd differently he just didn't do it well he also i don't remember what the exact quote was but before that he did say hey you guys out there don't hurt each other he did say that and so when we get to like overrated underrated properly rated we can probably talk about this a little bit more there's a, a reporter who wrote for spin who is on record saying that they purposefully decided to report on just the bad stuff yeah so i'm wondering through time if how skewed is our viewpoint of everything that happened here there's obviously terrible things but was the entire thing that way it's more complicated yeah during three performances the crowd was throwing empty water bottles up water on stage white clefs kid rocks and i think seven, seven dust. dust there was an article talking about how kid rock was cowering and of you know these water bottles they're they're throwing water bottles at him and they're trying to hurt him you dig deeper and you realize that he was like jumping around dancing he asked he them to do them this to. it was like a he told a, them to it's like protest over, over the, the water, water situation Yeah, they were having fun. It was like this interaction, but it got framed as like the crowd was going crazy. Insane Clown Posse was like throwing these these rubber balls out into the audience with $100 bills on them. Hey, everything's expensive here. We got paid, so we're going to give some back. And then they were throwing these bigger rubber balls with $500 on them. And, And people were bouncing around. There was beach balls. And it was framed like it was a melee in the crowd. And then you actually watch it. It's not. And it just looks like people bouncing a beach ball But around. you know what? Like, to me, that's so much fucking worse than what Fred Durst did. <laughs> <laughs> because how, like, dude, right. if something was going to start a fucking riot, it'd be $500 bills, like, to fight. Right. Them. Of course. It didn't, though. I mean, and, yeah, and no. so I feel like I need to research this thing for a year to really wrap my head around everything and speak intelligently about it. I really do. I want to talk to some people who were actually there. Sven, final thought on the clusterfuck that was Woodstock 99. It was a clusterfuck. Well put. Couldn't have said it better myself. Rachel, give us some final perspectives. This shouldn't have happened. None of this should have happened. I'll go next. I understand where you and Sven are coming from with the artists and I, I get the broad blame that they may have in, in some aspects, but I will never understand why Lang and Sure did mm. not end this on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And to me, they go down as two of the biggest pieces of shit that I've ever learned about because of this festival. And I'm, I am comparing them to people like yeah. Charles Manson and the like, because rapes were happening. Absolutely. And they, yeah, there weren't they that knew. many. 
And then they try to dismiss it later. The girls are walking around naked, you know? Tone deaf, zero culpability. Ugh, those guys, I swear. If they were in a mosh pit. (laughs) (laughs) Two thumbs up. Does it go back to what Moby said and his spidey senses going off? This was like the culmination of some weird cultural things going on at the time. It, It drove me away from popular music. Something was happening. And I I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. It's tragic. It's horrifying. And I'm really glad that I didn't really know much about it. And I kind of feel awful that I do now. That is a perfect way to end episode one. Sven, it's good to see you for a couple weeks in a row. Evil, that was perfectly put to end this first episode. Rachel, I uh, apologize for making you... I don't know. Maybe we have to have that perspective absolutely so versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod thank you to whoever the fuck i put in music wise for this i don't even know yet you know what we'll be back in a couple days to finish off woodstock 99 good night and good luck because things went so smoothly we didn't pre-announce it we didn't know they'd go this smoothly um but because things have gone this smoothly it's been this positive this amazing cooperation from the state police from the county from the town um governor Excuse me? The governor. Right. Um, you know, uh, we, 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 uh, you know, we looked and said, listen, let's let everybody come who, uh, who, who wants to come. Right. So uh, really, that's why we've done it. Cool. What are you guys going to do to celebrate when this is all over and you can relax? Well, it depends on when you think it's going to be all over. Uh, the music will stop sometime tomorrow night, but uh, we certainly have uh, weeks and months of work to do. There's going to be an album coming out uh, in September on Epic. There's going to be a home video. Are going to come out. There's going to be um, maybe this can be on the video. Uh, maybe this can be on the video. Uh, there's some. Uh, uh, there'll be some specials.